Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bibles director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome back, everyone, to Mavs Sports Take, episode 10. Can you believe we're already on episode 10 of Mavs Sports Take? I know I can't, because when you put that into perspective, that is two and a half months of doing this podcast. Now, I'm not complaining, obviously, but I'm looking here and I'm just like, where is the time going? This pandemic, I feel like sometimes it's dragging a little bit, but sports is getting us through. Whether you're joining us for the 10th time or the first time, we thank you so much for tuning in. Last week, David and myself, we brought on an interview with some amazing women, a panel in the sports world, Catherine Rake from the Philadelphia Eagles, Jennifer Lee Chan from the 49ers Insider. Uh, in the Sports Bay area, um, sorry, Sports Bay area, Grace DeWitt from Douglas Digital and Jill McBride Baxter, sports agent, attorney, author, podcast host of Representation Without Taxation. David's laughing at me already. We're only about a minute into the podcast, so you know the night is right tonight. We will be hosting a strength and conditioning coach to talk about training during this pandemic, where the NFL injuries are foreseeable, what the long term effects on athletes can be and contrasting everything with what's going on in this COVID world and just giving you all a little bit of a different perspective. I am, of course, here in Ryan Roberts, David Turner. We are in the building tonight. We have another great guest, David. We're going to roll through uh, what we some of our pickums from last week. We're going to roll into the games for this weekend. I know, uh, I know we're really excited, obviously, to get this rolling again. Again, like I said, an amazing, amazing guest on here tonight, getting a different perspective. How are you tonight, my friend, and how how much are you looking forward to our two-and-a-half-month anniversary here? <laughs> wow, you're so romantic. You're already talking two-and-a-half months and stuff. So, oh, no, I know what it is. You got the daddy brain going. He's, you know, you're going to be going six weeks, 12 weeks, 18 weeks. You're going to be one of those dads when the when the baby comes. I'm doing great tonight, and, you know, I'm really, I, I'm really excited to get into – Talking about the games from last weekend, obviously we still have the game going on tonight with Tennessee playing. Um, uh, who is this? <laughs> uh, Tennessee's playing the Buffalo Bills tonight. Yeah, we're live, so when you hear this tomorrow, you're already going to know that you know what we're doing and uh, that we're watching it as we go here. But you know, I'm bringing Kyle on, who's a strength and conditioning coach. He's not only been strength and conditioning 
um, in the NFL for a couple teams, but he's been in the CFL. He's been with a major league soccer team in the Bay Area. So this is a guy who's trained across across the board, different sports, different conditioning, different stuff. So to hear his take uh, on this is going to be really amazing. And then, again, we get into our picks later in the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Falcons, what's going on in that organization, talk about what's to come there and all that stuff. Yeah, of course, we're recording through only the second Tuesday night football game in the last 70 years. So we are just generating more and more um, recurring firsts here. Obviously, it's not the first of its kind, but it's something that we have not seen in a long time. As David said, we're going to have Mr. Kyle Thorne on in a few minutes to give us the strength and conditioning perspective of the state of the world. Before we do, we're going to give you some recapping of the NCAA, the college football games from this past weekend, and some NFL games that we were excited to watch this weekend as well. Uh, At the end, and I want to say that everybody that's listening right now, taking live questions. If you have a question at any time, we will save it to the end to our Q&A session. We have our mailbag, though. As always, want to thank everybody for throwing uh, throwing some questions in the mailbag. But David, let's get into the game that I wanted. To, I mean, I wanted to start out with this one because, man, was I right, David. Man, was I right. Miami, Clemson, told you, three touchdowns, three touchdowns. Clemson was going to take him down. You refuse to listen to me. I think you called me dumb at one point. I'm, I'm just, I'm just rephrasing what you probably said there. 42-17 victory, David. What were the takeaways? This game, I mean, from start to finish, it was a dominating, dominating performance by the Clemson Tigers. Right. It, it really was. The U, their pass rush didn't show up. The defense obviously gave up 42 points, but the offense didn't ball control and didn't keep Clemson. Uh, Clemson's offense off the off the field so you know NTN is really starting to show how special of a running back he is that's why he was my pick for the Heisman before the season um and Trevor Lawrence is obviously Trevor Lawrence he's doing his thing out there the defense for Clemson is really stepping up I mean they're they're starting to mature now I thought this was a very complete game for them they didn't show holes they didn't uh get they didn't start letting down in the third quarter when they were up a bit you know they kept their foot on the throat, and they and they definitely kept pressuring and and getting some uh, some great stops there for them to get the ball back to their offense. Uh, this might have been my favorite game of Clemson all year with the completeness of their special teams, their offense, and their defense. All three phases really played well here, and they they invoked their dominance on what I like. Again, I like the team. I like Miami's team, um, but. Clemson's dominance obviously just got invoked here on them. Absolutely, and I will say, you know, the, the stars were the stars. Of course, you met, you mentioned Mr. Etienne, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Those are the headliners. I really do, you know, Miami's defense at times was battling. I felt like they were, you know, just they were doing their absolute best. The offensive performance for Miami, though, and I'm going to give Clemson's defense obviously a huge. Huge boost on what we saw from Miami, but De'Ara King looked out of sorts passing the football. Everyone, it, I, I felt like the difference in game speed between the Clemson Tigers and the Miami Hurricanes was just so different, right? Like the Cle- Clemson was just moving at a completely different speed, which you're not used to that. Usually, if Miami's losing football games, they're losing it up front, they're not being out athleted. But in this game, I felt like Clemson definitely had the advantage all over the board as far as team speed. 
Another game that ended up being a blowout that we wanted to talk about, uh, touch on. We both picked Georgia to win ten, uh, win over Tennessee. I think we both picked maybe a one-score affair here. We thought Tennessee was going to play tough. Georgia's defense is very good. We ended up with a 44-21 victory by the Georgia Bulldogs. Bulldogs look like they might be for real here, David. I'm looking at this score. Obviously, you know, a late score made this one a little more lopsided than it was. It was competitive for a decent amount of the game, but just the, the, the defensive structure that Georgia has this year, and we talk about Richard LeCount, we talk about the corners, Eric Stokes, uh, Aziz Ojolari at, at their outside linebacker spot, rushing the passer. So many dominating football players, and Stetson Bennett is doing just enough offensively for the Bulldogs to really ca- capture that momentum and not let go of it. Uh, was this a big surprise for you, or were, were you kind of tentative with your pick? What did what were you, I, I know you picked Georgia to win a tight one, but was there, there any point where you were like, eh, this game might actually go maybe a little different than I thought? I didn't think it was going to get out of hand like this. And like you said, a late score brought it up from 37 to to 20. You know, it was like, th- I think it was 37-21 at one point. And a late score got to 44-21. to 21. But no, I thought the way Tennessee had been playing, I really was like, well, this is going to be closer than I, th- than I thought. And, and people were having them blow them out. And I was like, eh, I don't think so. But I was wrong. And obviously, Georgia is, you know, making a strong push. The dogs, you know, in the first week, they looked out of source, but they went back in the lab and, you know, they got things corrected. They're obviously making a run for this uh, this title now this year. And they got a big game coming up, uh, was it this week? They got Alabama and them. And they're between the hedges too, I think, aren't they? So, yes. yeah, yeah, so I think we'll touch on that later, but. You know, again, it's they got a real deal challenge right here this week to see if, um, you know, if they're going to do it. But Tennessee's still, again, they played a good game. I know we've seen 44 hung on them, but that, you know, the Vols are, are, are a program that I feel is on the rise. I really like their coach, what their coach is doing, building there. The culture is coming back to being that proud Vols football team. Uh, that we all love to see those checkered end zones being, you know, scattered in the orange and white. So, you know, for us, I, I think the Vols are going to be on the way back over the, the rest of this year. They're going to win plenty of games to get into a bowl. If there is a bowl, I don't even know if we're going bowling this year. And then, uh, you know, I think next year you'll see some really nice, uh, another recruiting class coming of age and Tennessee will be making a, a pretty good run next year. Yeah, and there's some young players on Tennessee to be really excited about. I think about Eric Gray, the running back, who I think is a really dynamic sophomore. Definitely got to keep an eye out for. Like you said, man, these that's just one of those programs that you need to be good. College football is a better place when the University of Tennessee is playing good football. We haven't really seen good football for them since Eric Ainge was the quarterback a few years ago, right? Phil Fulmer was the coach. Like It's been a hot minute for sure. Wanted to move to the NFL games real quick before we bring Mr. Kyle Thorne on. Tampa Bay, Chicago upset alert here, 20-19 over Tampa Bay. Chicago takes this one. Nick Foles, Tom Brady's kryptonite. He can't beat Nick Foles. David, I know uh, you are the biggest Foles fan of all time. What was uh, was just your general outlook for this game? Because Tampa Bay obviously was missing Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. A lot of guys were injured for this game, which, you know, obviously kept it very close think it's a different game if that if those two play but hats off to Chicago four and one now right and they're uh they're rolling they're trending in the in an okay direction I don't buy them 
But hey, four and one is four and one at the end of the day. Well, yeah, their defense took over early. I mean, Mac was just feasting, you know, and the pressure on Brady was consistently in his face. Uh, he was having to move a great deal in the pocket. He didn't get a lot of clean pockets to just step into it and throw. That that front that they've built there in in Chicago, you know, did their job on on the defensive side. And again, the, you know, Tampa Bay's defense gave up twenty points. I mean, it's not like they went out there and got roasted. They gave up twenty points, and you know, Brady and the crew only scored nineteen. So, uh, you know, you got to do better than that if you're Tampa Tampa Bay's offense. I I I'm not a big Foles guy, you know that. That's why you rib me, and I say it all the time. I'm I, and again, a guy who only puts up 21 points, I'm not a big fan of. You know, um, you know, I think a guy that needs you know, if you're consistently putting up 28, 35 points for for your team and you're winning in that area, which is tough to do in the in the NFL. Don't get me wrong, it's tough to do. Um, but if you are able to do that, then you got my attention. Then you, then, then, you know, I'm like, all right, this guy is a real guy. Uh, you know, he's somebody you have to worry about each and every week. Foles to me is, is just a guy. He's not a dude. He's a guy. And, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong in the coming weeks. I doubt it, but maybe he will. But again, I'm, I'm, I think Tom Brady and what they're doing in Tampa, they're, they're really going to push for that division down there with them, the Saints and Carolina coming on now, one, three in a row. You know, I think that division is going to be fun to watch uh, down the stretch here. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. I'm I'm bought into the Patriots if they are all healthy. Obviously, there's nothing you can do about injuries, especially in the time that we are working through right now. We want, definitely want to talk about Kyle Thorne, about that, and just the state of the NFL right now with the influx of injuries that we are seeing. Before we do last conversation, David, there's uh, Tuesday night football. Like I said, only a second time in 70 years. Buffalo, Tennessee, I don't even know what the score is right now because who would rather be watching that game than watching Mavs Sports Take Live is my question. That, that's the most probably most important question I'll ask tonight. But I'll say for this one, David, two undefeated teams. Tennessee's been on the headlines over the last couple weeks for all the wrong reasons. Are you surprised? And maybe we'll end the conversation here and then maybe pick it up when, Kyle, when we leave Kyle. Are you surprised that this game is being played tonight? Let's start there. I am surprised that there, I mean, again, you knew there was going to be creative scheduling with COVID, how creative and, and finding ways to do it, um, was surprising that they, they chose to do a Tuesday night game, move a Thursday night game, um, doing all the creative stuff that they're doing to fit games in and make sure every single one is getting played. I'm surprised it's on. And, you know, I, with, with all the positive COVID tests in Tennessee, I worry about there's more gonna positives gonna come off this field here tonight because of how the um, you know the the virus I guess matures in the body and everything. So I don't know if this is really gonna work well for both these teams or not. And we've already seen Buffalo have a have a little uh, have a couple guys that uh, went on the COVID list earlier this year. So. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised they decided to play this game and play it on a Tuesday too. Yeah, and I definitely want to get further into that conversation before we do, though. I didn't want to delay this this interview that I'm looking forward to right now. Mav Sports Take is happy to welcome Kyle Thorne, an internationally experienced human performance coach, co-inventor of the AccuRoller, a multi-use device for muscle recovery. He has been the director of human performance for the Edmonton football team. 
head of, of human performance for the San Francisco Delta soccer team and was strength and conditioning coach with the New York Jets and San Diego Chargers in the National Football League. Kyle, we appreciate you coming on, man. Heard great things about you from David. We really generally appreciate you taking some time out of your day. I appreciate that. Uh, most importantly, I have the best haircut, uh, second to David Turner. <laughs> yeah, but your beard, I mean, you got that baby beard. You got to grow that sucker out. You know, you got to get a little more girth on that baby beard you got going there. I was just going to say, man, you are looking, you are looking excellent. It's been, it's been too long. See, don't see that, not seeing your face. Oh, you, you start whispering them sweet nothings, and everybody on this show is going to get uncomfortable real quick. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, that just that just that just popped into my head. I feel like every every person that David brings on here doesn't have hair. I just I just connected those dots. I, I never even is David. Is this is this planned or are, is this? It's like, a bald man takeover, baby. It's a bald man takeover. That's not true. Brad Kaplan had hair. You're right. You're right. Don't, don't look down on us, please. Don't look down on us because you have more hair. We're ha- we're hair challenged. It's okay. We're hair challenged. Exactly. Yeah. It's the higher testosterone levels. So yeah. Um, so how you been, bud? You been good up there? I'm good. Yeah. It's just starting to shift into that cold weather up here. But yeah. Oh boy. Just, yeah. Well, let's jump into some of these questions really quick because I really want to drop some knowledge on these. These athletes that are out there are struggling right now in these COVID times. So what are some of the challenges players are facing training under these pandemic that, that you know of, that you've been experiencing with some of your clients and some people that maybe have been re- relying on you? And maybe you can give the high school to college to pro guys, you know, with um, the gym closures and stuff, some ideas on how to stay in shape and stay ready for if the phone does ring for them to get a tryout or something. Yeah, I mean, the obvious is just access to, to quality um, space and equipment. Um, but you know, the, the biggest thing when getting ready for, for any sport is going to be competing at the high level against other athletes, right. At that are at that same high level. So you want to mimic the movements that you're going to, you're going to do in your sport. You want to, uh, you want to mimic or, um, mimic the need for the quality of the movements too. And then have also like a demand in your training sessions for rapid decisions and anticipation of what's going to happen and, and all those things that are going to happen in your sport, right? So if you don't, if you don't have those, then you're not going to be training as well. So I think right now, like the biggest thing that people could be doing or players could be doing is, is safely getting out there and, you know, getting field time and competing against each other. Cause that's, I mean, you're not going to get, become a better football player in the weight room. You're going to become a better football player playing football, running and jumping and, and competing against other football players. Absolutely. And I know, uh, Kyle, we're, we're, we're in a state of the NFL specifically right now where you're seeing so many injuries, right? And, and obviously that is being connected to the lack of training camp, the lack of preseason um ability to get yourself ready, get your body going. For the audience listening, first and foremost, a two-part question. One, is this something that maybe people were very, they didn't think about well enough in the preparation for the season? And is this something that, um, are, are these injuries that we're seeing in the NFL, are they preventable in some way? Is there some way that we can start to really tackle this issue 
and start to make this a preventable, um, preventable process going forward? Uh, I'd say yes and no. They're preventable. I mean, you're always going to see a, a spike in, in injuries when you come into a, a season, right? Because, you know, just the nature of, of the NFL, like since the CBA changed years ago, like the off season is very different than it used to be. Right. So, um, you know, there's just less, there's less preparation building into the season. And that's just the, the function of the CBA in my opinion right now. Um, but the human body's crazy, amazing. Like it just rebounds and rebuilds resilience after you beat it up. But the problem is you have to you have to allow it the right amount of rest and the right amount of recovery to do that. And so something I thought of when you when I when I was coming on here, I was like, you got to think of I think of the Van Damme movie, The Kickboxer, right? When he's when he's kicking that tree, right? And then his sensei or whatever says, keep kicking, right? And he stops and keep kicking. The whole idea behind that was he's going to build up durability in his shin, right? But there's a balance, right? You can you can build up that shin bone, or you can continue to kick and kick and kick until you break it down. It's the same idea um, for what I'm about to share, which is the 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 set principle, which is specific adaptation to imposed demand, right? So that's that's the idea: specific adaptation to imposed demand. Can I? Is it okay if I show a graphic? Yeah, of course. We love it. All our live fan will, will enjoy it, and then the uh, the podcast people will try to walk you through it and talk talk you through it a little here. All right, can you see that? Yes, we can. Yep. So um, specific, uh, so all organisms, right, will adapt to uh, the demand that they're placed is placed on them. So gravity, we've, our body has been shaped by gravity or ground reaction force. So how, how hard our impacts are on the ground, uh, elasticity and muscle action, they all have an effect on our body. And so when you apply the biological laws, um, this biological law, like you can pretty much predict what's going to happen, right? So one, um, here's three scenarios. I'm going to show you, right? One, the first one you see there is that spike, that's an acute overloading that'll create injury. So it goes from no adaptation zone into that adaptation zone and then into the injury zone, right? So that's like where all of a sudden you just come, you haven't done anything, you come to training camp, right? And you have this huge spike in load. Well, that's like a, that's like a uh, drag racing car going down the track without doing a, a burnout, without warming up the tires. That's just like hit, hitting the gas pedal and going, and then it's no question why you blew a tire or an engine going down the track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or just, you just come, yeah, you come into two, two heavy days of practice or two really long days of practice, which you didn't, you didn't get ready for, right? You were a free agent and you, didn't, you, didn't, you weren't prepped, right? You hadn't, you hadn't taken the time to get ready for that. Right. Uh, Number two would be progressive overload that creates injury. So this would be like you continue to build and build the volume, right? And keep practicing. You never take the proper time off, right? And so you never, you just keep building into that injury zone. You go past the adaptation zone and you keep, just keep building and staying. You, you stay training, you stay practicing, and you never take time off, right? So that's number two. Number three would be a progressive increase 
you know, load that goes into that ad- adaptation zone, the right amount, and then comes back out and gives you a chance to recover, that body a chance to, to build the durability and resilience, and then goes back in, right? And then comes back out. So it's it's a systematic approach to um, to, to the stimulus on the body, to the demands, right? So for players, they can come in, here's, here's the, here's kind of a bringing it all together. Players can come into a season under-trained, over-trained, or they can come in ready to play, right? But then, right, the amount of practice they have can either be too much, too often, right, or too little, which is rarely the case in my experience, right? Or they can, it can be built systematically, like the, the demands of practice can be built systematically towards what the game demands are, right? And then are the, are, are the organizations, here's the question, are the organizations giving the players time and resources, massage, normal tech to rebound from those demands? And then even more than that, or, or beyond that, are the players taking advantage of those time and resources? Are they using, are they using those? And then do they have their own plan if they're not getting those type of resources? So that's what I, those are, those are my questions to the, to the problem. So with the NFL, you, you brought up the CBA and, you know, here on Mav Sports Take, we really like talking the business of football and everything. So, you know, what is it about the new CBA that has gotten you uh, concerned about the player's ability to be ready for play this season? So back in the day when I was, when I was around the NFL, there was, there was a long um, a longer buildup. It was like we had like 12 weeks to build into uh, OTAs and, and then training camp. And now there's just like basically my, my understanding of there's only really a two to four week window where you can build in, you build into the body of the athlete and then they're running into OTAs which isn't necessarily the whole issue, but it just, it's kind of, it's removing some of that physical preparation to build, to systematically build durability, right? Because then you're kind of leading them on their own for a lot longer. Uh, you're just doing crap. You're just doing on-field on training and then and they're kind of left to their own devices after that, which I understand. I understand that the players want more of that time, but then, you know, there's a trade-off. Yeah, they call this thing a work-life balance, right? So they're like talking; they want better work-life balance. Is in, but in your opinion, it sounds like Kyle, you would probably say they need to dial up some more time in the offseason for prepping and and maybe not as much as they used to have, but at least more than what they currently have. Uh, yeah, that that would be my my opinion, and I I would venture to say that there's a lot of people in the performance realm or in the strength and conditioning realm and even the coaching realm that would probably agree with that. Yeah. Kyle, I, I was curious, what, what would you say are some of maybe the biggest mistakes you see athletes make during the training process and during their training in general? I love this question. I love this question. <laughs> this is a great question. The first, the first problem I see is they overlook the basic fundamentals of being a human, Right. And the, one of the fundamentals of being a human is you have to sleep. You cannot escape the fact that you have to sleep. And that is way too often overlooked. I, and I see it across all the levels that I've been exposed to from high school all the way up to the pros. And so that's the, that's the first 
the first issue is you got to take care of the basic human functions. Number two, I would say mistakes that I'm seeing um, pretty regularly are just overcomplication of training, right? Guys get caught up in like the pretty trends out there and the cool fancy looking drills, right? Like, you know, here, here's an example, like I can't stand BOSU balls. <laughs> really? You're going to train on a BOSU ball? Like you're going to do squats on a BOSU ball. You're going to do single leg stuff on a BOSU ball. When was the last time you stood on, you were balancing on a blue inflated ball during a football game? I, I can't say I have. I cannot, I can say I've never played a football game on a blue inflatable ball. So like those, those are my, those are my issues. You know, if you're, if you're going to get ready for, um, it just kind of looking, backing up at the sport and thinking about it logically, if you're going to get ready for football, right? What is, what do you do in football? You, you sprint, you change directions, you jump, right? You overcome other people's inertia. So you should train like, like that, right? You should, you should get good at sprinting. You should get good at true plyometrics, right? Uh, if you're a quarterback, right, you need to throw the ball to build durability in that shoulder, right, and get good at the mechanics of throwing the football. You're not going to just go uh, do a punch, punch a, a, a bag for the offseason and expect to come out and not get injured when you go to throw a ball. It's the same thing for the other positions in the sport. And Kyle, if, if I could, if I could jump in with one follow-up question to that, you talked a little bit about you know just knowing the limits of the human body, or just knowing generally, you know what, how much so, how much of uh, the human, the human aspect of how much people can take from an individual aspect, because obviously everybody is created differently. How much, how much is that important to just consider? How much maybe a one specific person can take comparative to another when you're maybe making specific training. Um, a, specific, a specific training regimen towards an individual. Um, so the the idea behind something called autoregulation, right, is training that's specific to uh, the individual for that day, right? And so there's um, if you're familiar with heart rate variability, um, that's a big a big uh, advancement in technology recently and, you know, Apple watches and whoop bands, they give us a great insight into how the human body is responding. And so we can, basically you can tailor uh, your day or your training day to uh, how your body has reacted to the previous day of training or previous weeks of training, uh, which is, which is a very smart way to do it. Um, and if you don't, you know, if you're a high schooler and you don't have access to those things, there's other methods besides using heart rate variability that are still that in research show they're still as accurate. You know, grip strength is a good predictor um, of heart um, heart disease, right? And so you can you can measure your grip strength every day, and if you see trends that are above, like statistically. Um, above the norm or below the norm, then you'll you'll know those changes are are what are happening in your body because that's your 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 body is your your grip is muscle and then your heart is also muscle so they're related right um, so if you drop below ten percent that's a significant drop in your uh, in your in your heart strength uh, your muscular strength so those are ways to 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 follow those trends. 
right? and then adjust your training accordingly. Like an example would be, let's say you programmed, I'm just going to use squats, for example, because everybody knows squats. If you programmed uh, five sets of five for squats, right, at, at 80% or something, I'm just going to throw a number out there. And then you saw that your, um, your grip strength had dropped significantly, like 10 to 15% one day. You could then say, okay, I'm not going to do all five sets. I'm going to do three sets of five, or I'm not going to do it up to 80%. I'm going to do it up to uh, 60%, right? So you take off a percent, you plan on taking a percentage off if you don't, if you're not coming in ready to train that day. So, so it's very like constant, like constant, maybe taking a step back and, and understanding that this training might have to change dependent on the individual. And it should, because the, it can go the other way too. You'll get more benefit if, if you come in and you're ready to go. Oh, I'm feeling fantastic. Right. I'm, I'm flying today. Uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do 85%. And that's how you get better. Right. You, you beat, like, like we talked about, you know, kickboxer, you, you beat the body down and then it rebounds and it super compensates and gets better. That's awesome. That's, that's, that. I hope everybody heard that last part there. It's just, you know, being able, and I didn't know anything about that grip strength that you just talked about. I didn't get that. So I hope that's a nice little takeaway for some people. Last question I got for you, bud, this COVID-19 pandemic that we're all being affected by, Again, with athletes, what we what we're hearing is that there are sometimes when they are recovering, if they had it severely, they're scarring on the lungs and their lung capacity is being reduced and they're having a hard time training at a high level, as well as, you know, obviously now famous report from the University of Minnesota. They talked about heart conditions that have been developed from certain certain patients, not all, but certain patients with this COVID. What have you heard? What are you hearing about long-term effects that might be, again, something that might disqualify uh, athlete from the NFL because of you know these uh, these these new pre-existing conditions or uh, additional effects? What what do you, what do you see in your world? Yeah, I, I I've probably read or heard the sim- similar things that you uh, you've pulled from Minnesota up there. Some of the research that I've read, um, these doctors are saying that, that just more or less the science has not does not have enough evidence to say exactly what the long term effects are, right? And so, but the doctors are also saying that based on the numbers, right, right, healthy people are at a very low risk of these long term effects, which includes youthful pro athletes or people that are trying to be pro. So you're at risk, you're at low risk of the complications, but like you said, if somebody does get these severe complications, yeah, that like the, the myo, I don't even know if I'm going to say it right. Myo, I'm not a doctor, myocarditis, uh, right. The inflammation of the heart muscle, that's a scary one. Right. And like that, that's one of the ones I read about. Uh, and then, for me, one that makes sense to me because I've had asthma is the lung damage because of pneumonia, right? So um, the pneumonia symptoms obviously would decrease, you know, and do damage to the alveoli in your lungs, right? Everybody knows that we did. We we learned about alveoli when we were in, in elementary school. So I can, I can you just lost all of I can spot off some I can spot off some <laughs> some alveoli wisdom right here. 
but I had, I had asthma growing up, right? So getting pneumonia like symptoms, and then they da- it damages your lungs. So then you can, those people can then have asthma like symptoms ongoing for life is what I'm, is what I've read and like causing basically a fibrosis of the lungs where it's like the lungs aren't as flexible as they used to be, which obviously you want your lungs to be flexible so they can expand right, and that tissue can take in air. Uh, so again, like be safe out there, right? You know, be smart. Don't, don't be going to huge massive parties right now until everything's all, you know, all, all figured out with vaccine and all that, you know, but again, don't, don't live in fear. There's no reason to live in fear either, because if you're a, if you're a healthy athlete, your risk is very low compared to the rest of the population. Well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you taking some time for us and dropping knowledge on everybody. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Tell them what you're up to these days. Tell them like how you know how they can come and find more knowledge from you. Um, my my easiest easiest way to get a hold of me is through LinkedIn or um, Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm at Coach Thorn, or uh, LinkedIn is just Kyle Thorn. Uh, and I am a, a full-time nanny. I drive an urban assault vehicle and I'm training up these three young boys to, uh, to one day, uh, take over the world. <laughs> well, if you don't know him now, you know, him. this is one of the best strength coaches out there. Um, he's a guy that I know I respect the hell of. That's why I brought him on for Mavs and you heard him drop knowledge and we'll have him on again to drop some more, just to talk about more training, more stuff trying to give you guys the advantage as you're getting ready to perform in your tryouts, your camps, whatever you're trying to do in life. You know, this is a man that wherever he works, he's, he's breeds success from it. So thank you so much for bringing your expert level on here, Kyle. I appreciate all the kind words, you guys. Absolutely. It's been thank a privilege. You. Absolutely. Thank, thank <laughs> you so know much, Kyle. That. We really appreciate it. <laughs> all right, so again, that was Mr. Kyle Thorne, internationally experienced Human performance coach, David, quick takeaways from that. Obviously, I, I felt like he, he was like, you know, that's something we learned in elementary school. I felt like I had a uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader uh, moment there because I was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, he I'm, was just I'm being a, a smart ass with that one. I knew when he said, I was like, you just lost the audience. Nobody knows what you're talking about. But, you know, that is just him showing off his intelligence, which is incredible as is. But you could just see, like, why he has success everywhere he goes. He he understands the science behind the methodology of training. So, you know, he, he really dives into, you know, why does this method work? Well, because the science behind it works and supports it. Um, you know, like I learned the grip strength thing. I didn't know that was so significant when it came to heart function and heart functionality and stuff, which was interesting to me because then all the times they go, Hey, let me, you know, grab my fingers or whatever. When you're in the doctors, you know, let's check your grip strength. It's, you know, it, it's interesting to hear or now it like makes more sense. I should say why they do that. Um, Cause they're trying to see if, you know, you're weak on the grip, maybe something's going on in interior that they really got to be worried about. So, you know, that's something that I learned here tonight but you know, as well as what I'm learning from him is the uh, the rest, the hydration. You know that stuff that people harp on all the time. But when he says what he's dealt with and has seen firsthand is so many of these athletes not um, 
not get the proper rest and then their body can't recover. So they're in the danger of the injury zone. That's something that, you know, in, you know, again, the athletes themselves need to take hold of and understand that they can't just go out and party and hang out and burn the candle at both ends of the, uh, at both ends. You got to get home and get your rest so your body can recuperate, regenerate and be ready for the next day. Absolutely. And as we transition, I want to thank again, Mr. Kyle Thorne for coming on with us, transitioning to the games for this week and some other topics from this past week as well. Don't forget this Thursday at 4.30 Pacific time, 7.30 Eastern time, Maverick Sports Consulting is hosting a free seminar series launching this week. We are starting our Big Six seminar series with what agents need to know about the draft board. Sign up to receive the Zoom invite at our Twitter handle, at Mav underscore sports. David, tell the folks real quick, what should we expect from this seminar series and the first one this week in general? You know, what I'm really excited about is bringing this Big Six series to to the marketplace. It's um, it's going to focus on different aspects of the um, of what we do at Mav Sports, trying to educate the marketplace a little bit of what we do. You know, they see us on Mav Sports Take. They see us on Friday Night Scout School. They see me, uh, you know, out in the marketplace doing other things. But what we really do as a consulting firm is we're, we're working towards educating everybody on the business of football. This week, we're going to show agents in particular. And if you're a player, if you're, a, you know, a mom of a player or somebody who's always interested in what's going on in the draft room, how the, how we value players on a draft board so they can understand you know when they sign a client why the value might have a ceiling or has a floor or you know sinks really fast once they thought they got a really good client we're going to go into how to value a player on a draft board that will be this week uh thursday night 4 4 30 pacific 7 30 eastern on how to value players on a draft board and you hear it again, Mab underscore sports to sign up for that first of the seminar series there. David is hosting. Uh, thank you all again for sticking with us so far. I hope that you've chosen us over this 28 to 10 Tennessee Titans uh, win right now in the third quarter. A little bit of a lopsided game so far. Wanted to get in some topics from this past week real quick before we get into the games that we want to pick for um, for the upcoming week. David, when we talked last time, Coach Bill O'Brien, GM Bill O'Brien, was let go by the Houston Texans. Now we have the second in back-to-back weeks here, head coach um, uh, Dan Quinn from the Atlanta Falcons, and also uh, Dimitrov, who is their general manager, has been for a long time, are both out. Special teams coordinator also out. So a lot of shaking a lot of a big shakeup down there in Atlanta, Georgia right now with the Atlanta Falcons organization, bringing a lot of questions on what's next. A lot of their old stars, right? We have Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. I feel like their best assets are all older pieces. So I'm, I'm trying to think of what's the next step. Uh, starting off here, David, this is something that we thought was coming. You know, 0-5 start. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a big surprise when this happened. Maybe the timing again we talked about a little last week, but again, 0-5 to start the year after 7-9 back-to-back years with a pretty talented roster. Let, let's start here, David. How attractive of a destination would this be for a general manager and head coach uh, respectively? Do you feel like this is a, a team that can make a quick 
resurge or is this a thing where maybe, hey, I need to blow this thing up and, and really work towards the future here? I think the attractiveness here is the owner and the facilities because I heard the facilities are really beautiful and, I, and the owner shows patience. So therefore, if the owner has the patience and the facilities are beautiful that people would want to, and plus Atlanta is a destination that a lot of players like to play. A lot of the, especially the guys from the South like to live in Atlanta because they can get family in and out really quick. They, you know, living in Atlanta is a place that's a destination. So it's something that I think is very attractive um, for a lot of candidates, both coaches and GMs because of that. Um, the other part of Atlanta, again, the patience of the owner, I mean, last year they started off terrible. They made a little run at the back end. Like, I think they won five of the last seven games, which got them to that nine-win season. But before that, you know, they were not doing really well. And they they were able to retain their job, and they stuck it out. So this this owner shows patience, and he's allowed them to have enough. I mean, seven years, Dimitrov was there, I think, seven or eight years and it's like you had enough time to turn it around. It's not like the Browns that are changing people over every year. So that's what makes it attractive is is that aspect more than maybe the roster and what's there when you come come in to, you know, bake the bread in the morning. You might have to buy some more ingredients. But I think it's it's a very attractive offer or a situation destination. And I think some of the top candidates at GM, if they're going to allow the GM to pick the coach, I think some of the guys that have lying in waits uh, might might come out of might come out of the gates and try to go get that one. They this will be a pursued job, and another job that might be open very quick. And it, it perfect segue here because as we are recording this podcast, Le'Veon Bell released by the New York Jets. We want to talk about Adam Gase and just how long he has to hold on there in New York. Looks like, David, it's not going to be long because this franchise is in dismay. They just got rid of their most notable star offensively, their only star offensively, after obviously, you know, Le'Veon Bell and dysfunction around that team has been highly publicized coming back from the injury this past week. Now they're releasing him. Looks like a lot of change is is in store right now in New York how long, David, over under one and a half weeks, how long does Dave, um, Adam Gase have left here? Well, you know, I think Adam Gase should be gone already. You already know that. I don't, I'm not a big Gase guy at all. Um, and to let Le'Veon Bell go, it's interesting because you would think they would try to trade him or you would think they would try to, you know, get something for him. And if they did release him, you know, they probably tried and nobody wanted to give up anything for him. And they're going to, you know, you'll see him get caught and maybe signed back on, uh, on the cheap for the rest of the season or something. He might be up in new England pretty soon. He might just drive up the causeway and, and land in new England really quick. Um, it's interesting that they chose to make, make the change at the running back position over the coaching position, you know, um, I, I really think that Gase's offense doesn't do much for uh, running backs, and I think Le'Veon's dis, dis, uh, dysfunction, disagreement, dis, disruption in the in the facility. They, they, you know, the Jets organization and Joe might just have enough of it. But there's also frustration from him because you know when he got there, he was one of the most lethal backs in the game. And now he's like averaging two yards a carry or something. They're just not opening holes. The play calls bad. And like you said, he was the only weapon on, uh, 
on offense really performing for him at all. So now, you know, uh, Miami's hot right now. I think they lose this game to Miami, and you might see the coach take a walk. And wouldn't it be fitting that Adam Gase's last game as a New York Jet is against the Miami Dolphins? That would be the greatest ending to a – can I say shit show on air? I'm going to say shit show. Shit show on air. Adam Gase ending his career. I want to touch base, and I know – we're gonna we're gonna go over time here because we always do. It's gonna happen. Washington football team. The decision about Dwayne Haskins. I want to talk about that briefly because that was. I don't want to say troubling or because I expected it to happen. To be honest, after the first couple games, I knew it was in the cards. I was just kind of thinking, and we talked about this on the morning show. I think one time was I felt like you're not a good football team. You're not going to be a good football team. Let Dwayne Haskins have the year. See exactly what you have. Worst comes to worst. Hey, you're in position to get your next guy. Obviously, they are under the the you know they made the decision that the the present is not Dwayne Haskins, and obviously the future is not going to be either. Were you surprised one, David, about the timing of this one as well, and two that they w- didn't afford him the opportunity to just have at least the full season as the starter to see what comes of it? No, I'm. You know, here's where I, I told everybody or I said to everybody before the season, Rivera really wanted Alex Smith to be his his quarterback. I don't know if people will remember that, but I did. Now, being around Ron enough the way I was around Ron, he likes veteran leadership. He likes veterans around him that, you know, been through the war, and that's Alex Smith. He's been through the war. He's been through a lot of adversity, and he's come out the back end. When Haskins, you know, gave that – halftime speech i guess week one rally the troops a little bit they came back and won and then since then he's been decreasing you know he's been declining i should say and i'm sure Rivera and the staff jumped him a little bit and now the young man can't really you know handle it so therefore you know he's kind of gone on the tank last week they said he was he had the flu so they send him home you know or he was throwing up so it was a health risk to have him around which again smelt funky from the beginning as it was like this kid is is struggling with the maturity level that he needs to handle this situation which isn't easy i'm not trying to tell the kid that it's an easy situation everybody would handle it properly but i'm saying the way he's handling it isn't proper The one thing that really concerned me when Washington drafted him is he's from that area and a lot of his friends and people are from there. So he's got a lot of his hype hype crew and stuff that are around him that, again, can play into his insecurity. And they shouldn't be doing this. They wouldn't be doing this to Lamar. They wouldn't be doing this to Mahomes. You know, all those demons start getting in his head. Then he goes to the office and he's geared up and he says some stuff. Now he's made them at the office turn sour on him to the point where they're just going to get rid of them and move on. So uh, I tweeted out earlier, I don't know who's going to be a taker. A couple people, you know, in the trap room and stuff have said, you know, maybe Pittsburgh or something, but I, I don't know if he really is going to be the, their guy either because of the maturity level on this kid. So, you know, unless he shows he can handle adversity better, a lot of NFL teams, I think he's going to be waiting for a suitor. Yeah, and, and I guess that's going to cut off my next follow-up question there was, what is the trade value potentially for Dwayne Haskins? Obviously, the 15th overall selection. I guess if I'm reading kind of just between the lines of, of your last response, maybe uncertainty 
to what you might think that he might fetch in a trade potentially? I don't think he's going to get – I mean, they're not getting a first-round pick. They're not getting a second-round pick. You know, so now you're going to let him go for a third-round pick, and this was a guy – what was he, top 10, not too many years? Fifteenth overall. Okay, enough, 15th though. last year, right? In that 2019 draft, right? Or, yep. Uh-huh. So, you know, you're going to – your return on investment is terrible there, and I think that Washington knows it but they're just getting him out of the building and moving forward if somebody will take him. I mean, I, again, I just I sit here and I rack my brain trying to think of who would be suitors besides Jacksonville. Again, if Pittsburgh wants to bring him in on the cheap, you know, for a third, you know, for a third or a fourth or something. I mean, I just I don't see somebody going and paying a first or a second for the kid. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I want to get into these games, though, because we have – a lot of questions. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. We'll see how many we get to. College football always got to start. College football Saturday is the best day of the week. It is not up for debate. We have David Turner's Florida Gators taking on the defending champion, LSU Tigers. Florida favored by 13 points over the reigning national champions. 73 over under. Obviously, LSU is off to a 1-2 and two start. They don't look too great. Florida got upset this past weekend. Um, offense looks great. Defense is extremely shaky. David, what's your what's your um, what's your thought process for this game? Is this a runaway for the for the uh, Gators, or you think that LSU uh, maybe forces an upset, or at least keeps it closer? You know, last, I mean, before last week, I would have been like, you know, I'd have been chomping over here. I'd have been doing the Gator chomp, but. You know, I think uh, Texas A and M. You know, they they flashed uh, some some uh, chinks in the armor of the Gators here. So LSU, I mean, I know they're not the LSU we saw last year and they're depleted with all the guys who graduated and the guys who opted out and stuff, but I still think they're dangerous. And I think 13 points for Florida is, is going to be tough. I think LSU is going to be able to chop wood. I know they, you know, they didn't win last week, but I think they're going to have some, I don't know, guys. I really, I, I'm not ready to cash in LSU's season just yet. So for me, I think this will be a seven point game. I do think Florida still wins it, and uh, and I think that you know Florida rebounds with a victory here. But I don't see a a blowout. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be back here next week saying, "Oh, didn't see it coming when I should have." But I truly think it's going to be LSU plays closer than people expect. I'm going to start a trend. David, every time now with these games, college football or NFL, I'm going to pick the over to start with because there is no defense being played in the NFL or college football right now. It is crazy. So I'm picking the over. I'm calling this one right now. You ready? Some conviction in my voice. LSU upset, wins the game outright. Take the points, whatever you want. LSU takes down Florida. Kyle Trask's Heisman campaign potentially is completely foiled. That's my that's my pick. That's my that's my upset of the week right there. Not even close. There's I mean you and I can't be more different on this one cuz I lean more towards Florida blowing them out than I do LSU, but I can't I just can't. I think Orange Juan is going to figure a way to turn it around eventually and this game is going to mean something to him in recruiting. It's going to mean something to bringing the LSU prestige back. So I think he needs to do a good showing. I don't think he he does. I don't think he gets it done when it comes to winning. 
but he does a good job of competing and getting the team to compete for him this week. Can you ever remember a Florida LSU game where there was no defense being played? Is that a thing that's ever happened? <laughs> I can't. I mean, the, the, like you said, the state of college football's defensive showings right now are just god-awful. I mean, there's no pass rush. There's no rush lanes. There's no discipline. It's just, you know, it's like a fast break basketball game. You just run up and down the field. Nobody's stopping nobody. The defense, I mean, there's very little defense coordinators that actually even show that they have any kind of answers for anybody, you know, coming at them. So, it, it, you know, for me, I'm, I'm old school. I'm the hard nose, you know, you know, guy, but I, and I love defense. I don't care if the game's nine to three. Like, that's great defensive game. Let's go. Um, but nowadays it's 49 to 53. It's like, what? Like, what happened to all the defense? Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, it, it, it breaks my heart to see how, what lack of defense. And I, I was a guy going into the season where I was like, these teams are having a limited preseason. Defenses are going to be above offenses, right? Like they're going to have the competitive advantage in that sense, at least early on in the season. And we are not seeing that right out of the gates. Offenses are scoring. I'm just hoping that it's a cyclical world where I'm not going to see for the rest of my life just the offense. It's it's like flag football out there. It's two-hand touch, and we're just seeing touchdown after touchdown. I, like you, am very old-fashioned in my belief that I want to see good defensive games as well as great offensive outputs. I want to see a little bit of both because that is the game that I grew up with. Moving on to the other college football game that we want to talk about before getting to the NFL, Alabama also looks like they have some chinks in the armor. They did not look great against Ole Miss defensively. They're taking off. Uh, Georgia, which we have been very vocal about, you know, the belief in that defense at least, and see if there's sets in Bennett and that offense can keep it rolling here. Alabama is favored by six, over under, set at 59. I'll start my feeling toward this one. I'm taking Alabama here. I'm taking Alabama to cover as well. I think that they win and I think they cover the six. I love, I really love everything that Georgia has defensively. But Alabama, like we look at Najee Harris, offensive lineman, they're going to go to the NFL. We look at Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith. There's so much offensive firepower that I don't think that Georgia quite has enough to completely stop them, to shut them down. And I think Georgia's offense is okay, but I'm not I'm not completely bought into Stetson Bennett at quarterback. I'm not. I think he's a serviceable player. I think that he can win some football games. I think Alabama, though, gets the 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 uh, the ship righted a little bit this week and takes down the University of Georgia. Then I didn't hear you. Do you take the over or the under? I'm always taking the over. Wait, no, maybe not. Uh, I'm taking the under on this one. I just broke my rule already. <laughs> I was going to say not so fast. I think this is an under game, but I think I think Alabama wins by two scores by 10 at least 10 points so you know 10 to 10 to 14 points alabama wins this game i i, I don't buy into the georgia offense just yet and i think alabama's defense is gonna go in and nick's gonna you know get after him this week they're gonna have some extra hard practices and they're gonna come out and have to prove that they don't want to practice hard anymore so if they don't get it done in this game nick's gonna run them into the ground next week so for me i see this as an Alabama win by two scores, good game, especially the first half. I think it's going to be a great first half. I think it's going to be a great half. But by fourth quarter, that's when you see Alabama pull away 
and win by at least 10 points. Yeah, my, my mind was saying 28-17. I don't know. That was just in my head, in my head for some reason. So quantify yeah, I'm that. Thinking, I'm thinking this could be literally, bro, like a 14 to, you know, 20-27 or 14 to 24 type game. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're relatively in the same ballpark then. Yep. So we want to move to a couple of the more interesting NFL games before we get to the mailbag for the week. Cleveland Browns, the 4-1 and one Cleveland Browns. That sounds weird. It hasn't happened since 1994. I was three years old. Um, David, if you want to feel a little... I was graduating high school. <laughs> so we have the Cleveland Browns, historically good Cleveland Browns, for their history anyway, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Three and a half point favorite to the Steelers. Um, obviously this is a game that could have big ramifications down the road for the division. It looks like, it looks like Cleveland might be a little bit for real over under 51. I will say I'm going to take the over on this 51, but David, I'm not going to pick the game because I want to hear what you have to say first. Oh, I'm picking the Steelers because you know, everybody's like the Browns are back and this and that first off Baker Mayfield, you know, he, he's throwing interceptions. The, the Stevansky is doing a great job managing Baker, but still those throw they're winning in spite of the quarterback play. I mean, he's having good year, but he's not it's the running game, the running game, the running game that is impressing me the most with reverses and you know the the draws and all the stuff that Savancy's brought over and he's doing so well with there in Cleveland with these running backs. I love and the play action passes is that now opening up wider windows for Baker to throw into, but he's still making some errand throws and stuff. So for me, I'm taking Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's defense, especially the defensive front, is going to be really geared up to make a statement here that they are not going to lose to the the Browns. That's what my my take is, and I would actually take the under um, here, and I would say it's going to be a it's going to be an old school defensive battle. Uh, more on Pittsburgh side than you know Cleveland, but me, you saw Notre Dame's receiver last week, the rookie kid for Steelers score four touchdowns. So Roethlisberger, I think he's going to be good for you know at least twenty eight points against Cleveland. I think Cleveland only scores like fourteen. See, you know I can't root against Chase Claypool, but I will say it was against Philadelphia Eagles secondary, which is awful. So little little uh. Little context there on that four touchdown performance. Obviously, the three receiving, one rushing. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh as well to cover here. I'm going over on this one just because I'm trying to follow my rule, even though I broke it already. I think if Cleveland had Nick Chubb in this game, I think I would pick Cleveland. I think I would. But that absence, I think the ability to keep, even though they still have Kareem Hunt, I know Kareem Hunt's a good football player, but. If it was the if they had more of an ability to be a little more balanced offensively than I think they might be, I would very heavily consider Cleveland. But I'll stick with Pittsburgh, even though I will say, and this is on record, I'm not a big believer in Pittsburgh. I'm really not. After what I saw, especially this past weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles, I know it's one game. I know they won the football game. I know it's hard to win football games in the NFL. That defense is not quite what it was built up to be before the season began. And you're really putting all your eggs into the Ben Roethlisberger basket when he's not been able to stay healthy over the last couple of years. So I'm very tentative to believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I will take them this week to defeat the Cleveland Browns. Want to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Look like a good football team. 
One and a half point favorites against Tampa Bay. Seems a little low to me, but Tampa Bay is coming off a loss. So you have to think that they're going to be up and ready for this football game. Over under 54 points. We have Tampa Bay, very good defense. Green Bay is a good defense. Green Bay, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. This is a matchup of two all-time great quarterback-wise. I'm going to let you start again, David, because I'm still not sure what I want to pick in this game. Well, again, Aaron Rodgers is on a tear this year. I think he's really showing. He's making a push like Russell Wilson is for the MVP title. Um, And I think Aaron's doing a great job trying to do it. So, you know, and and Tom Tom and the, you know, we were talking about him earlier. We were reviewing the game earlier. You know, Tom Brady in that offense, if he he doesn't have Mike Evans and he doesn't have some of his weapons, I think it's going to wind up being a very – very hard game for him to win. You know, I, I, I'm really baffled by the one and a half. I thought Green Bay would be favored by more because of Tampa Bay's injuries and, um, you know, their lack of, I think, offensive production and Green Bay's ability to have more offensive production than people anticipated the first half of the first quarter of this season. So, you know, for me, I, I like Green Bay. I like Green Bay by at least, at least a touchdown here. And I think, you know, they, they're gonna they're gonna be able to handle Tampa Bay this weekend, and that's not that I don't like Tampa Bay. I just don't think with the injuries, Tampa Bay is gonna be able to keep up with Cleveland, or I'm sorry, with Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, it, that's it's really tripping me up though. Like you said, that one and a half man. Like it seems like Vegas thinks this game is gonna be very close. Um, I want to pick Tampa Bay just because they're coming off a loss. Like they need this game, right? They already have two losses. They don't want to fall. Too far behind, even though New Orleans isn't playing that great. They're very up and down. I'm going to pick Tampa Bay in the upset. I don't have conviction in it, but I'm going to pick it just to be a little different. And also, again, like you're betting against Tom Brady. I know it's an older Tom Brady, but I think this is a – I don't want to say it's desperation because we're still early in the season. But I think Tampa Bay is going to be really up for this game. I'll take Tampa Bay in this one. Tampa Bay's defense – is very good against the run specifically. I think maybe they can make it a one-dimensional game and make uh, I know making Aaron Rodgers beat isn't always the best option, but let's let's see if they can make a one-dimensional, make it a little tough, and, and get after Aaron a little bit. So, so I think Tampa again, Bay. I'm with you. Tampa Bay's defense with JPP and they got like they got two or three guys. I think they have three or three guys with uh, three sacks now on the year. So Todd Bowles has got him geared up. I think, you know, again, it's not going to be an easy win. I just don't see the offensive production from Tampa Bay the last couple weeks to make me go. I know I shouldn't say last couple weeks, last week, last Thursday night game. I didn't see the Tampa Bay production. And I and I and if he doesn't have all his weapons, I don't know if Tom Brady's going to be able to do it. And then you give Aaron Rodgers a couple scores and, you know, that's all he really needs. Now, and I, I'm with you there too. That's why I just I, I don't have any conviction on this game because I, I I agree with everything you're saying. It's just why is it one and a half? Why is it one and a half? What does Vegas know? I'm just trying to figure it out. So we're not going to argue too much because I appreciate you and I also appreciate everyone out there. We appreciate you for tuning in to Mav Sports Take tonight. Are you looking for a way to promote your company? If you would like to learn more about partnering with Mav Sports Take, contact contact us at. MaverickSportsConsulting.com. We have opened up our partnerships for you to take advantage of. Mav Sports Take is reaching nearly 500 listeners each episode. Drop us an email at MaverickSportsConsulting.com 
and we will work to tailor a custom partnership package just for you. Favorite time of the week, David. What is it? What's the favorite time of the week? Mailbag. But before mailbag, we got an Easter egg in here. We do. We do. This is a special Easter egg for you all. If you're listening live with us right now on Twitter, then you have a little bit of a head start here. First person. This goes out to anybody. First person to tweet out this phrase. You need to tweet out at at KTRAFS9, at Kyle Pitts, or a, dynam- or a dynamic duo, at Mav, Sport- Mav underscore sports. So again, first person to tweet this out, at KTRASK9, at Kyle Pitts, or a dynamic duo with two exclamation points. And you need to tag at Mav underscore sports in that post. The first person to, to post this on Twitter wins a Mav swag bag of your very choosing. So please, or not of your very choosing, of our choosing, <laughs> you don't decide. We tell you what you get. But again, put that out there now. If you're listening to us live, you have a head start. Go do it right now. Mailbag time. I really stole your thunder there, David. I know I was trying to set you up and I forgot the Easter egg, but we're good. We're back. First question of the day is going to go to, let's take a look. I know you love Kadarius Tony, so let's go to Raider underscore T. What round do you have Kadarius Tony going? Maybe you don't have the answer to that, David. But what do you see the role and what teams do you think might best fit his skill set? We're talking about the wide receiver gadget player from Florida. I don't think he's a gadget player. I think he's a solid wide receiver with a a very like you you coined it and I keep using it, but it was a great comparison. Percy Harvin S type player that definitely can fit a lot of schemes. You can put him in Sean McVay's scheme to uh, New England's scheme. I mean, a lot of schemes. This guy's got a lot of versatility. He fits a lot of offenses with his ability to not only be a returner, but receiver. And he's a guy who, you know, run the ball and reverses and things as well as run really good Chris Sprouts. So for me, you know, I, I mean, this guy, he's a, he's a, I want to say, I don't know his overall speed, which is the only thing, you know, I got to get confirmed to understand. But as I watch him, I think he's plenty fast enough. So, you know, I wouldn't have any problem projecting him in the first round, but it's just so, so talented first round with so many receivers like Chase and Waddle and other guys this year. Um, it's going to be, you know, he's going to be right there. He's going to be probably somewhere between pick 15 and 25, or he can fall out and be, you know, somewhere between 32 and 42. So it's just going to depend on the run on receivers and where he tests when he gets the chance to test. And it's a great wide receiver group. Kadarius Tony, we have him projected NFL draft by what a four three nine forty. So plenty fast enough, like David said. Very nice athlete. I every time I think of him, I just keep picturing him in Kyle Shanahan's West Coast San Francisco 49ers offense. And if you would join us for Friday Night Scout School, you would know exactly what a West Coast is. But more on that later. Going over to Mark Jarvis at What's On NFL Draft. Question for David specifically. What was the smallest school you visited while working as an area scout? And who were you there to see, if you can recall, David? Uh, gosh. Um, you know, Bethel College, Benedictine College, both in Kansas were really small schools. 
I don't remember the players' names off the top of my head. I remember their positions. Bethel had a a receiver I was there to look at, and Benedictine had a offensive tackle guard type guy and a safety I was there to to look at. And then there's another uh, guy. Oh, geez, out in... What's the name of the school, man? There's... There's been a few. I, I ain't gonna lie. There in Colorado and in in and in Kansas, there's a lot of little schools that I've been in and out of. Uh, Grand Junction uh, has a has a school that's out there in Colorado that I've been through, and um, you know, there's there's a lot of little schools, and then you know, over in St. George, Utah, they have a, they have a, a little school there too. So, you know, I've been through a lot of little schools. You got to go in and you got to try to find them, and you stop in and. West, I'll tell you the best player I got ever out of a little school. Well, two, two of the best players I've got out of little schools as one was, uh, Kevin Boss when he came out up in Western Oregon. I mean, that's a little school. And I went in there and I met Kevin and I got to watch his film and I was really impressed by him. And I went back to the, the Raiders and we wound up taking Zach Miller in the second round that year. But Boss was our second tight end rated and, you know, we really liked what we saw out of him. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, I went into Fort Hayes State and I found uh, the D tackle, uh, Nathan Shepard, that's now at the Jets. But he was a guy that I, I really liked and I put on the Panthers map. And he was a guy that was unrated before I went in there. But I was just going into, I happened to be driving through Kansas, even though he wasn't rated. I was like, let me stop by and just take the look at the tape. And I was really impressed by him. And good thing I stopped and did because he was a he's a heck of a player. It's a good list there. I love Kevin Boss. Every time you mention him, man, I just remember six foot seven tight end for uh, the New York Giants. So good mention there. DC sports are still cursed ass for us. Should Washington stock up an offensive lineman? Uh, yes, I think every every team should stock up an offensive lineman. Some of these offensive lines, man, across this league, thinking about the Bengals, Washington right now, there's some the Jets outside of Mekhi Becton, a left tackle. Like, there's just so many bad offensive lines. Obviously, they need to figure out what their quarterback room is. But, David, I think, and I would hope that you would agree with me here, yes, you should always continue to stock up on the offensive line. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know where I come from. I mean, the hog mollies are in my blood. So you got to have them or you're going to lose. If you don't have the hog mollets, it's over. Um, and, and again, for Washington, a lot of NFL teams are in the same boat. But for Washington, I really think Ron has a good defense in in tow there. He inherited some really good players on defense. His offense, need a, it needs a reconstruction. They don't have a bell cow back. They don't have bell cow receivers. They don't have a bell cow quarterback. So, you know, the, the whole team, an offensive line, you know, they, they, it's a rebuild on the offensive side. Like Carolina this year went all defense in the draft. You might see Washington in 2021 go all offense in the draft, just trying to get it young, get, get, get the right players and get them in the building. Absolutely. I, I agree completely there. Standing room Spartans at standing room MSU. It looks like a, a Michigan State fan page. Who is the top wide receiver prospects in the Big Ten? I will handle this one. Um, So Rashad Bateman, I apologize, uh, standing room Spartans, because it's not going to be any Michigan State players. Unfortunately, it's going to be Rashad Bateman, the Minnesota wide receiver. 
big body, really smooth route runner. Rondell Moore is a nice one from the University of Purdue. He is five foot eight slot man, but that dude is so physical. He benches like over six hundred pounds, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You just said a five foot eight receiver is physical. Yes, David, go watch him, man. He's like a running back when he gets the ball in his hands. That dude is a yak monster. He is. He breaks tackles, man. He looks and he is built. I'm telling you, he's five foot eight, but that dude is put together. So yes, absolutely breaks a ton of tackles. Super physical. Obviously, he's got a very small catch radius. But hey, as a, as a tailor made slot receiver, get the ball in his hand quick. Let him work in the open space. Rondell Moore. Rashad Bateman, I think, are a couple good ones. Nico Collins from Michigan popped into my head as well. Chris Olave from Ohio State. It's a talented wide receiver class, as we talked about a little bit about earlier. And Big Twin is in no short supply of talented wide receivers. Last question that we're going to cover tonight before we close it out. Justin Gamble at Gam Scout on Twitter asked, Bengals end up with the first overall pick. What are the chances they take Trevor Lawrence and trade Joe Burrow. Any at all could be 0%, but maybe not. David Turner, is there any chance that this hypothetical happens? No, there's zero chance with what Joe Burrow is showing. I mean, again, the Bengals have done a lot. And Burrow's, you got to understand, marketing. Burrow's a Ohio kid. He's an Ohio guy. He's their guy. He's the whole state's guy. So you're not going to go trade. He doesn't look bad. He doesn't look terrible. He's actually... They're competing every game they've been in. They haven't really been blown out because this kid has, you know, been leading them really well. I mean, the first five games, this kid, I've I've been very impressed with him. So I I don't think I think at that point though, that pick becomes very valuable that they can put a cast around him, and a team like the Jaguars, who have a lot of draft capital, might trade up and give you a bunch to come get that kid. And then you take that capital and turn it into a Herschel Walker style trade where you get maybe some five picks between the next two years and you can build the Bengals up by getting rid of the pick and trading down and getting players that help you can surround Burrow with and you can bring into the organization and and keep the team young and grow with Burrow, especially the offensive line and some some help he might need at the receiver position because I hear A.J. Green is on the trading block. So, you know, again, you're going to need some wide receiver help there. You go get, you know, some offensive linemen and and you got a stable of running backs already with Giovanni Bernard and Mixon and stuff. So, you, you know, you can you can ride that offense for a while with just a few key pieces uh to put it together and then put the rest of it on defense. And now you got a nice young defense, good offense, you got a young head coach. You got you got a system for success there. Absolutely. And I will say, I want to see the chaos that's going to ensue because I can't wait to see if this situation happens where a quarterback, uh, a team that does not is not too much in the quarterback market. Like I want to see Cincinnati get that first pick to see just how much draft capital Trevor Lawrence is going to demand. I feel like it's going to be an insane amount. And I can't wait to see it. I tell you that. I want to thank everybody for the mailbag well, questions. Well, Sorry, guys. No, I was going to say, well, if you want to learn draft value, come to the seminar this weekend, and we're going to talk about draft point value, and we're going to talk about all the points and stuff. So, again, we'll have it ready for you guys this Thursday. Sign up on the Twitter account, at Mav underscore sports, 
to get a get on the Zoom mailing list to understand the draft value, and you'll see what our philosophy is here at Mass Sports Consulting on what Trevor Lawrence will be worth on draft day. You heard it here first. David Turner has everything you need for your deepest desires. I didn't say that. David said that. He told me to say that. All right, we want to thank everybody here tonight for all the great questions in the mailbag. We really enjoy it each and every week. David Turner, we're going into week, what is it, six in the NFL here? Um, just just general takeaway, or maybe not a takeaway. What are we looking forward to this week, and what is your closing thought that you want everybody to leave with tonight? Well, Mike, what I'm looking forward to this week is seeing some more great competitive games and seeing you know these, these young men continue to play a game, which I love, which is football, um, at a very high level. What I'm what I'm disappointed in is, you know, all these injuries that have cost so many great players their seasons, which now is affecting the teams, which then can affect, you know, people's jobs, um, you know. So, therefore, that I'm not looking forward to. And, and, again, we talk about it here, and I do – I'm very vocal about, you know, I don't believe certain people should be in the positions they're in. And that's, honest to God, just how I feel with – the, the reaction or not reaction just with what I'm seeing in the sport and their lack of ability to be affected. This is a win and losing sport. This isn't like if you have a better, you know, sales quarter in the fourth quarter, you can save your job. This is if you don't win enough games, you lose your job. Players lose their job every day if they drop passes and if they don't catch footballs and if they do things the wrong way. So that's just the industry you've signed up for. It might sound cruel, but, you know, I've worked in it 18 years, and this is what we do. We, you're, you're signed up to be in it, so you better be a big boy and have your big boy pants on if you're going to be working in it. Um, and that being said, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing in the coming weeks if the Jets open up, if they just fire the head coach, or if they, take, if they only give Joe one season to do his thing at the general manager job, which I hope they don't. I hope they give him a chance to hire his, his, his head coach and bring in a guy that really will work well with him because he's a fine young man up there, and I really think he'll be a good GM. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a guy like Greg Roman or Wink Martindale out of Baltimore to come up there and join him in New York because those are guys he knows from being at Baltimore. They're both good young coaches. I mean, you could see them bring in uh, Eric Bieniemy as well, or even a you know a Todd. Well, no, not that one, but you know they they can bring in some guys. And down in down in Atlanta, I think they're going to be a hot commodity for the GMs. I really think a guy like George Payton that's been in Minnesota forever, waiting for an opportunity with the right owner, <clears throat> the right situation to uh, name his own coach. That's going to be an attractive situation for him. You'll probably see names like Scott Fitter, Ed Dodds, Trent Kirshner, um, Ray Farmer, Martin Mayhew also all actively pursuing that Atlanta job. Don't don't sleep on a dark horse that's working in New, New England right now. But, you know, a guy like Elliot Wolf, a young up-and-coming GM, again, you know, he could go with a young guy like he did when Dimitrov was first uh, hired. You know, Dimitrov was a young guy that he went with. He likes that model a little bit. And even a guy like Dorsey. I mean, you know, Dorsey might get a retread in uh, in Houston or something because, you know, down there in Houston, Dorsey and his crew, they're really good evaluators. You see the Cleveland team, you know, producing that they put together. They just pick the wrong head coaches. And 
you got to have the right head coach in play. But I think, you know, he might be a chance for a retread there if you're looking in the retread market for a GM. And as teams continue to make decisions on their future, we're definitely going to be keeping a close eye on head coaching candidates, general manager candidates in the future episodes. Want to thank everybody for taking a listen tonight. If you want a deeper dive into the scouting world, Friday Night Scout School this week will be covering um, some of the best wide receivers to come out in recent years, show you how to really get from a scouting perspective, get you directly into the film room, agents, players, scouting uh, hopefuls, whatever you are, we have something for you. Please check that out at NFLDraftBible.com, Friday Night Scout School, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Also, this Thursday, hopefully you're listening to this on the Wednesday prior. This is Thursday, um, October 15th, 8.30 Eastern Time, right after David's seminar. Hop on over to our NFL Draft Bible Senior Spotlight for the HBCU, the um, historically black colleges and universities. We're going to be highlighting five players that are stars at the level, as well as Mr. Jordan Reed, who is for the uh, the Draft Network, played quarterback at North Carolina Central. He's also going to stop in, be our guest speaker for the event. So please, yeah, Ryan at NFLDraftBible.com, or you can reach me at Rise and Draft on Twitter to RSVP for the event. On behalf of myself, Mr. David Turner, make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I am at Rise and Draft on Twitter, and David's at Mav underscore Sport. We thank you all again so much. We look forward to talking to you all again next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts on today's episode and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.